Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring in the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Stephanie Malik is the founder of S. Malik, not Smalik Enterprises, a crisis management firm that helps elite leaders and C-suite execs promote change through customer-focused strategies. She has over a quarter century, I'm saying that to make you feel old, of experience as a serial entrepreneur starting during the height of Silicon Valley era, and we're going to dig into that, and founded her own management consultancy firm in 2003. Three. And Stephanie has coached hundreds of top-tier leaders and is known as an expert negotiator and skilled crisis management consultant in her industry. She is also the host of Spin It podcast, where she breaks down the art of transforming a roadblock into a stepping stone for success. And there's a lot to learn about how to survive and thrive through crisis in this one person who has experienced it firsthand many times. So let's do this. Stephanie Malik, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just wondering if you do a side hustle and you can come do that on all my shows. <laughs> I, we were talking about before, I love doing the live read. It gets me into it. It, it, it focuses me in and it just, you know, because otherwise you're just kind of jumping into the show. I don't know. Whatever. To each their own, right? Gosh, Adam, that's fabulous. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the objective of, of, of the podcast is to unpack my guest's career journeys. For anyone joining us who is new, is to unpack the career journeys, talk about the early days, the lessons learned, and kind of look back and say, Gosh darn it, thank God I went through that shit in my life because I learned something. So let's bring it back to the beginning and let's talk about the early days. And and listen, Stephanie's talked about this on a lot of podcasts, but I think it's important for anyone listening here. Um, let's go to the early days and, and your origin story, your superhero origin story. So, you know, your father unfortunately, you know, passed away when you were very young. Your mother never fully recovered from it. And, you know, that childhood was rough. Take it back, take us back to the age of 14 or 15. Yikes. Yikes. You got to start there. I, huh? I do. And, and, and yeah, I mean, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The, the treasures are in our shit pit. The treasures are at the bottom yep. and we have to go deep here. So let, let's go deep and then we'll bring it up. For sure. For sure. No, I, I actually really like going deep. I appreciate that. Um, so, so yeah, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't little house in the prairie, you know, it wasn't leave it to Beaverland for sure. Um, I think now that I'm so much older, Adam, I think that she did the best that she possibly could with the tools that she was given. Um, first generation here, um, I am. And so everybody was, you know, less educated. Uh, there wasn't a lot of support and, um, being in that household after my father had passed away was full of emotional and physical abuse, um, and child abuse or, you know, those type of things weren't even a thing back then. Um, no, definitely not. It, it was hard, you know, it was hard. I, I, I knew that I wanted to do something and I knew I wanted to be something, but I didn't have any examples in front of me. Uh, I went to go quit school at 15 years old and my, my, my principal at my school, Chuck Bidell said, oh, you are so funny, LOL, when before LOL was right. a thing. And he said, absolutely not. So 
you know, she beat us a lot. And, um, when I was 15, I got emancipated, which thought was amazing idea. You know, how do you separate legally from your parents? You get emancipated. The one thing I didn't think about was just things like, how am I going to live? How do you rent an apartment? And correct me, correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong here. You know, going back, I was reading some notes about the judge in the case. Well, normally they would work through a social yeah. worker, they would do some evaluations, and the judge didn't want to put you through that shit. He said, "In 30 years on the bench, I have never granted a full emancipation with uh, emancipation. I've never granted a full emancipation uh, without taking it under submission." And he said, "And today, I am doing that." Because you are so articulate, you are so mature, mm. and he said you have not moved your eyes away from telling me your story. Did he take you, you know, did you have conversations with him on the side? Did he, I mean, what was that? It was just all an open open process, open court. So I didn't, so I guess, I, by the way, Adam, just so you know, I've never been asked that question before, but let me tell you something. Um, that apparently when you go through an emancipation process, there's a social worker and then there's some court appointed uh, person, whether it be an attorney or a public defender, there's somebody around. I didn't have that. I had my, I had my elderly aunt. And so apparently he didn't want to take me in chambers because I was a minor. Right. So everything and, was open. And, and if you don't mind sharing, I mean, I mean, how did your mom even re re react to this the first time you came to her? I mean, did you even come to her? Or you just did it on your own. No, I moved out uh, July 15th and I filed August 2nd, I think, or August 3rd. Actually, August 2nd, because it was my half birthday. And um, I didn't even, she she didn't even know until maybe a year and a half or two years later. Because you were out of the house. She didn't even ask. Yeah. I didn't tell her. Yeah, I was just completely gone. Wow. And, and, and did you, what was that contact like with her afterwards? Or was it non-existent? Yeah, no contact. I mean, when, you know, here's the thing. My mom was di diagnosed much later when diagnosis was an actual thing, yeah. okay? She was diagnosed with bipolar with psychosis. And so the conversations were just purely insane. I can imagine. There, there weren't, they, they were just, you know, calling me up and screaming at me and telling me all these crazy, awful things. I mean, she called me, um, she called me a slut and a whore my first day of kindergarten. That's not good. So like I, I would. I was like, so, and then I just was like, oh, okay. And I took my little Jeez. lunch, my little Holly Hobby but, lunchbox and, and yeah, I mean, went a, off to a, school. A, I didn't, didn't know what that you, meant. You didn't, you didn't know what that meant, but, the, but, the, but, that's, yeah, like, but okay. that caused deep, you know, deep psychological trauma. So, you know, at the age of 15, 16, how, how did you take this insane amount of, of trauma and, and start to harness it for a positive? Oh, my love. It wasn't when I was 15 or 16. <laughs> Take it, sir. I was not harnessing not harnessing, I was not much harnessing back then. anything. No, 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 no. I was harnessing survival. <laughs> Where am I going to eat? Um, I, I didn't harness it until a lot later, Adam. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, this is, I'm very open about this. And if this can just help one person, I was angry. I was sad. I was fearful. I was hopeless. I was devastated. I was, I didn't know who I was. Think about this. You know, I lost my nationality and I lost my siblings in a matter of seconds because n n my, my, my stepfather, who my mom was actually married to, um, she had a completely different, totally different life. And all of a sudden I was just completely cut off and I had nobody around me. So I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, I, I wasn't overly positive or willing to engage with anybody. Was there a moment of positivity? Was there a spark that said, 
Stephanie, we got to figure this thing out. We need to change things here. We need to move in the right direction. I mean, where did that turn happen? When did it happen? Because it had to be, right? I mean, it had to be the turn. There's always a turning point. I mean, I think, I think there was, here's what I think. I think that there was evolvement. That's what I think. I don't think the turning point truly, like, you know, I can, I can talk about this all day long, Adam. I can tell you, oh yeah, at 16, I was this positive and 17, I was this. I don't think until I had my daughter when I was 22 that I was like, this crap stops now. I will break this chain 1,000 million, billion percent, no matter what I have to do well, to pa- do it. Pause on that for a second. I even spoke about this the other day. I, I made a post about it because I, uh, my, my, my sister-in-law, who I consider my, my sister, she's just my sister, um, she had a baby on Friday. And I said to her, my brother-in-law, Grandma, I'm like, the, the, the moment that you bring a child into this world, you are not the most important human being on the face of the planet. And was that the moment for you? I would, I would say yes, but then I would caveat it with this, Adam. I've never, so one, one thing that I'll share with you is, is that nobody ever goes, oh my God, Stephanie Malik, she is so fun. Like she's like really super fun. Like that doesn't ever come out of anybody else's mouth. Um, I don't think I learned how to have fun. I don't think I learned how to be irresponsible. I don't think I learned how to let go. I don't think I, yeah, I had, I, I just didn't. Right. And so, so when you say, was it, was she the most important thing in the world? Yes. But did I ever feel important a day in my life? Did I ever feel like I was the most important thing? There's no way to to, to switch your, who who you're designating importance to when you never felt important before at all. Exactly. Was it, was it purpose? Was it meaning? Oh my God. It was literally, I mean, when the doctor told me, I mean, here's a funny story. When the doctor told me I was doing fitness competitions and I, there's no possible way. I mean, I was taking the pill. I was like doing everything correct. And I went in for my annual exam and she was like, uh, and I was like, yeah, you got what? something cooking uh, here, some cooking in the oven. Right. She's like, you, I, uh, I go, can you finish the sentence? Finish the sentence. And she called for an ultrasound and I was like, oh my God, I've got cancer. Oh my God, I'm dying. Oh my God, I have a tumor. Oh my God. I'm, I mean, like I was unglued right. and she came in and put it on my stomach and all that you hear oh. is, <laughs> she's like, that's a baby. I said, no, it's not. She said, yes, it is. I said, you can say whatever There's you no want. Way. It's not a baby. Crazy how that she's happens. Like, yeah, that, that baby's 16 and a half weeks and it's a girl. Wow. So yeah. you, you have the news of the baby, but at the same time, and if, if we don't mind digging into it, your relationship wasn't going well at the time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a super loving, sweet way of putting it. I, I try to sugarcoat things a little bit here. No, but you know, yeah. uh, 11 months, right? Divorced after 11 months. Yeah, 11 months. Yeah. No, I mean, it, was, it wasn't going well. And, and you know what, Adam? Here's the thing. It wasn't going well and it wasn't his fault. He was very, very much in love and he was very much set that I was the person and I was way too traumatized to figure out who I was and what I needed. Um, and I was, I spent 11 months trying to get out of the relationship. Like, how do I do this? How do I not break everybody up? How do I not make somebody feel bad? It's tough. And then all of a sudden a baby's here and I was like, let's get married. Doesn't solve, doesn't solve any, any problems. And, and I'm just curious. I mean, is he still involved in, in your daughter's life? He is not. Um, he was gone when she was about four months old. I think he tried really hard to figure out what being a daddy was. Um, and I gave him all the tools I possibly could um, with 
with trying my hardest to be a co-parent or a supporter, he was too angry. He was too mad. Um, he did everything he possibly could to hurt me and he didn't realize it was hurting her. They talk, um, you know, this baby is going to be 27 in January. So they talk and, um, but there's no real connection at all. He's just kind of like, she says, like a, kind of like a distant family friend. Well, at least she has a great example, you know, from her mom growing up. So, I mean, 22 years old, having a baby is, is, is relatively young, even in these terms, you know, how did, how did you, you know, it's just you and her, right? <laughs> and, 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 and what was your first taste of, you know, getting into corporate America? I mean, how'd you, how'd you make the move into corporate America? Let's get to, let's get to that. Young mom, so, you know, trying to figure life yeah. out. You got a, you got a good head on your shoulders. It's in there somewhere and you're, you're battling through this trauma, this pain, life-changing, having a baby, you know, relationship ending. I mean, this is some crazy shit. Right? right? You know, what's funny, Adam, is like when people say it, like, you know, I, I don't have a whole ton of friends, but like my friends are lifelong, like 30-year friends, okay, 20-year friends. And when they repeat it back to me, it sounds crazy. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, how did I get through that? Um, you know, ignorance is bliss. Let's start with that. Um, so, yeah, like she was... She was the greatest thing in the entire world. Um, amazing personality, just super funny from a very young age. Just a, just a really, really, really great, I, you know, God gave me exactly what I needed at that moment. Um, so corporate America was interesting. So I started off as an entry-level kind of inside salesperson and really just supporting people. And, and Adam, I mean, you know this by now, okay? I ask crazy questions. So I'm like, you know, I walk in and I ask things like second day on the job, how can I support you better? What can I do for you that's going to make your life easier? And people are like, whoa. No one else is that. And they were like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, what, what can I take off your plate? And so I started doing this a lot. And people were like, oh, you know, Steph will do it. Steph will do it. Steph will do it. So you it. made yourself valuable, keep, invaluable. Well, I made my, I, but I, I was, I felt like I was the one that was really getting the value because I was learning mm -hmm. every single pe person's job. I mean, there's a big story. There's a, I'm sure you've heard the story whenever I told the president and the CEO of uh, a company that we were taking public, I said, can I take, can I take notes in the board meeting? And they were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, just, you know, let me, let me take, and they're like, Steph, we don't, we don't, we have, what? Yeah, it's not and, what <laughs> right. And they let me do it. And from that time on, I got invited to every single one of the board meetings because of how I put it into a PowerPoint. So everybody kind of knew what was going on. I learned at 24 years old, how to run a board of directors meeting. Like who knows that people, I have 40 year old, 50 year old people that don't even know what a board of directors di differs from a board of advisors or a strategic alliance right. board. Nobody knows. And, and, and the takeaway here is to take the initiative, right? The, the takeaway here is to take it exactly. into step up. What's, what's the worst? I always tell people, what's the worst that someone could say? No, like someone's going to look down on you for being ambitious, right? There, there's obviously right. a tone and an approach. And I mean, I, I, I made some early, some mistakes early on in my career being overly ambitious because I didn't know the right way to approach certain situations. But it comes down to context and it comes down to tone. And you're going to make mistakes early in your career. But don't be scared to take the initiative. Because if Stephanie did not take that initiative, she wouldn't have had that seat in the boardroom. And it wouldn't have progressed until all that knowledge that you absorbed and then in turn shared. Yeah. 
You know, Adam, here's, here's one thing that I'll tell you that is, was such a significant thing for me at the very beginning of the pandemic. I reached out to the five most instrumental people in my life when I started. Okay. The five people I reached out to, and it's not that we haven't spoken throughout these years. We've spoken a lot, but it's more like, Hey Steph, do you know somebody here? Can you make an intro? And absolutely. But like to really sit down and look at somebody's eyes, Adam, and go, I want to look at you, Adam. And I want to sincerely thank you for taking all of that time. Why did you do it? And you know, they don't know each other. They all said the exact same thing, different, different vernacular, different tonality, whatever it was, but they all said nothing was never not your job. You were early. You stayed late. You'd never said that doesn't fall in my job description. You just jumped in and did it. Your work ethic was unparalleled. And I did that with a baby. So it's like, there's, there's no, no excuses. excuses, just so, do it. So just kind of, let's let, let's take a little left turn over here. It's interesting. I want to get your take on it. And this is just kind of like my, my litmus test, my sticking my finger in the sauce over here. I, I feel like I, I look on LinkedIn, I looked on social media. There's two extremes here. There, there's people trying to achieve great success by not doing much. They figure out that the the hacks and the and the optics with the with the planes and the cars and the cash and everything. And then I'm hearing the other thing too, where it's like, uh, don't get over burned out. Don't work overwork. Don't you? You and I would not be where we are if we didn't fucking bust our asses, working our asses off. Is that something we're losing in the in the workplace right now? Adam, that's a whole other podcast. I mean, I don't get. I me I, I feel, and I finally feel like the old man in the room where I'm like, mm-hmm. I like this didn't happen. With your side, this this just doesn't happen overnight. We built this. We work our asses no. off, and people think you could do this instantly. And it's all manufactured. Yeah, or like, if it's I not hear, the way it works. If I hear laptop lifestyle or toes in the sand or, you know, five hour work week or any of that, that's the most unsustainable bunch of crap I've ever heard. Yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, do, if you want to do that and you want to learn and you want to gain, go ahead, go do it. But don't act like that's a sustainable lifelong business. Like, what do you want for your life in five years? Yeah. Like I wanted freedom. I wanted to be at every kid's game and every kid's recital. I wanted to be at every kid's prom and spring break. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be a present exactly. mom, not a nanny no. mom. I, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't have the lifestyle. I have a lifestyle business. I couldn't do what I do now if I didn't have 23 years of work experience behind me. Right. I yes. couldn't launch my own business and be successful at it. Listen, there's a very small percentage of people who either don't go to college or come out of school and immediately, you know, get that billion dollar valuation or launch the next freaking Tesla. Right. Like that's not the way it works. But social media has right. you believe it that way. Well, because social media has one trajectory and it's yep. this. They don't tell you all the, you know, ups and downs, ups and downs. And that's kind of, you know, Adam, now that you bring that up, you know, I was, I think I told you this whenever we met, when we were together in New York, um, you know, I just on this Forbes panel and Forbes asked me, they said, Hey, how do you choose a Mm -hmm. really great executive or business coach? And I said, talk about their failures. Mm -hmm. Tell, talk about if they're willing to talk about their failures and they're willing to talk about their losses and they're willing to talk about how many times they blow it in detail, just as much as their wins then, and you have chemistry and that person's been there and done that, that's the coach right. for you. Stop telling me no. about all your wins. I want to hear about your right. losses. And, and, and that's the other piece too. Whenever, and the coaching thing is interesting too, because I, I mean, I, we saw it in the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of people that came out of the woodwork, you know, with all the coaching programs and pyramids and all that kind of stuff there too. When you're looking yep. for a coach, two things, A, to your point, someone who's going to talk about their failures and B, look for somebody who is at or has already achieved the level of success that you're aiming for. Yes. That's what you're looking yes. for. 
right? Like I don't need somebody like that's the reason I'm I'm, te- I'm, I'm I have a podcast podcast. It's called the Pause Course. That's why I'm finally teaching about podcasting because the last few years I built it, I put it together, and I have actual sociable social credibility and proof. I book clients from the show. Now I'm finally in a position to teach it. Don't find somebody who's never put a podcast out before trying to teach you how to do podcasting and through business development. It's exactly. not going to work. It's not going to work. Exactly. And if I hear the word coach one more time, my whole face will crack in half because when you have a money, like I was talking to this woman the other day and she's like, oh my gosh, my daughter's a money coach. And I was like, how much money does she have? How old is your daughter? And she's like 26. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't have the conversation. Just, I saw, I this, I I saw something similar about a money coach where if someone's trying to coach you on financial, they should be able to show you their, their, their returns from the last year. Show me your return. Show me your client list. Show me this. So let me ask you this. This is a crazy story. Tell tell us about your your first coaching experience, how you uncovered a pretty massive scandal. Tell us about that. This is a good (laughs) one. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, that was, I mean, that was the entire pivotal point of the company, Adam. That's how I how I actually got into the whole crisis thing. So uh, it's a, it's a very long story. I'm going to give you the super short version. And if you want, you can ask me questions. Um, I got brought in by venture capitalists who wanted me to, who was having some issues with executive connection with, um, performance. And they said, Hey, can you, can you come in? Absolutely. I've known this guy for 20 years. He's a pseudo father to me, the greatest guy ever. Like he's, he controls billions and billions of dollars, just fabulous. And I go in and instantly, and you know, I've been spending my entire life trying to figure out the secret sauce and how to articulate this. But I know when somebody is full of crap within three seconds of being next to them. You can sniff it. Okay. So I, I I just walked in and I could just tell by the way he was acting like, like he was cagey. And I was like, Hey, you know, why do you, why are you looking for a coach? Why are you looking for a high impact performance coach? And he was give, gave me all, like, I think he Googled it. Okay. I think he was like, why do I need, um, and so he basically starts giving me these answers and I, and I, I kind of looked at him and I, I reached across the table and I held his hands and I said, look at me, look at my eyes. I said, where are you struggling? Are you struggling at home? Are you struggling at the office? Are you struggling around family relationships? Are you struggling on business dynamics? Like talk to me. And he goes, I have no struggle. He's like, my, I'm at 35% over my numbers. He's like, I have a very low turnover. And I said, okay, that sounds great. I said, so why am I here? And he's like, because they want hmm. you here. And I was like, oh, they. So I said, okay, let's just sit down and talk. So we go to lunch and he starts talking about certain things that I know to not necessarily be 100% truthful. Like you know factually that these are not true. <laughs> I know there are certain dynamics on social media where you time mark things mm-hmm. and where you have said that you've been and where things like just those type right. of things. And, and I just quickly looked at it and it didn't add up. So I asked to see, um, his financial, uh, corporate right. card. And within three minutes, I knew that there was some giant errors mm-hmm. within three days. I had discovered about $3 million in errors and within 30 days, I had seen $36 million in years. Yeah. So we, you know, we, 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 we did what we needed to do. Um, the, I, I'm very pleased, deeply, deeply pleased to say none of this ever made the media. None yeah. of this ever made papers. Um, we were able to handle it very privately, but, but still massive consequence. The company was paid back every single cent and 13% restitution. So it was, it was a significant right. thing. So- okay. And when I got back, he said, we're in business. What? And I said, what does that even mean? And he said, do you have any idea? This is one. 
you have any idea how many people are going through a very similar thing? And I said, people do this stuff. Like they just steal money and bid rig and they skim and they- Boondogalicious. That's what we call it. And that's it. Corporate boondogalagal. Yeah. yeah, this is this is yeah. big time. And is that, I mean, that's crisis management. You managed the crisis and you're not necessarily helping the bad guy win, right? Do you, ever, do you ever feel oh, that? No, 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 no. It's it's not it's not about. So that's actually a really great point. Let's talk yeah, about that's that. That's why I went there. I'm not some like fairy fairy godmother. And I and and by the way, there you're not are like Winston Wolf. You're beginning. not Winston Wolf, right? <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to. I'm what I'm trying to We're do not getting is getting rid of the bodies. Let me, let, I'm not. No, Ray Donovan is Love not. Ray Donovan. That is not Love who Ray I Donovan. am. Sad to see it go. Um. So. The person who has caused the crisis still has consequences. The difference is, is that their wives that are going through chemo or a brain tumor are not having paparazzi wait outside of their Correct. treatment. Their minor children that are seven, nine, and 13 don't have paparazzi waiting outside of their schools. They still get a consequence. They are just, they're, they're, their families are handled very privately with a lot of care and concern because they ultimately were not the cause right. of this. Why should they suffer? Exactly. Right. I mean, they're kids, right. you know, the, like- Kids shouldn't have to or, carry or, the, the mistakes of their parents. By the way, I don't want to sound sexist at this Please. at all because we've had 39 clients um, and only one out of the 39 clients have ever gotten to media. One ever. Everything else has never gotten to media, but there has been women too. It's about a third women and two thirds men. Yeah, I mean, no one's no one's immune to to the to, to greed no, and and not. and corruption. I mean, especially when you're at the, these high levels, because it's I hate to say it, it's kind of easy and it's very enticing when those are big numbers in front of you. That's real. Um, men want recognition and women want relevance. That's what it comes out to. So let's let's break it down for anyone who doesn't really know, because crisis management's a pretty broad term. Let let's define it and break it down. Well, could you define it and break it down? I'm not. I'm like, are no, you doing that or am I doing let's, that? Let's, doing let's, that? By let's, I mean you. <laughs> let's together. Let's do Let's, this. I'll listen and you talk. <laughs> okay. Um, crisis management, what we do is mostly, I would say, 70% white collar crimes. So usually, it, it just usually breaks down to it's money. Fraud. It breaks down to finance. Money laundering, bid rigging, mm -hmm. skimming, RICO, um, you know, college admission scandal, you know, think of things like that. Or Lachlan scandal. Um, mm -hmm. we, Y that was yeah, bad. yeah, that was yeah. bad. That was ugly. Yeah, her daughter really didn't bad. help either, but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't really help. Um, Ponzi, Ponzi schemes, you know, financial, uh, moving money, shell companies, stuff like that. Um, then the other thirty percent is kind of random, so I'm going to break it down like this: twenty percent is generally an athlete or celebrity, and it generally has to do with fidelity, Adultery. and it has to do with meeting with the um, divorce attorneys. Divorce attorneys, family law attorneys don't necessarily have the absolute best reputation at handling things quickly. And you cannot fight an emotional argument with facts. So a lot of the times I get brought in to, I don't want to say mediate, but hear a different, hear their, 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 their pain and their hurt and put it into a business concept to where we can move things along. And then the other 10% is kind of everything else where it's a contract dispute. It's a D we've done several things around DEI. Mm -hmm. 
around audits and around kind of cultural things that have happened. Um, what we do together, Adam, so, so Stephanie Malik, why use S Malik, right? Three things. Number one, we negotiate. So you think about the huge bills, the $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 an hour mm -hmm. attorney bills. We have 65 global attorneys that love, love working with us. So that rate is 50 to 70% mm -hmm. less, number one. Number two, 70% of the time we're able to do a fixed rate, Flat rate. Um, which yeah. is an amazing thing. It's phenomenal. Third thing is, is that we know all of these attorneys backwards and forwards. Um, you may get very nervous about firing your attorney. I don't get nervous about firing your attorney. So if you commit to me that you have time, I don't want some junior associate working on it. I want you working on it. You want the best. So that's number three. Number four, we have asset managers and all of our professional services. They're all set up. So like, for example, when we have to liquidate a Lamborghini or a yacht or a plane, usually the brokerage fee for that is anywhere from seven to 12%. Ours is usually one to right. 3%. Um, so we have a lot of built in really white glove. Think concierge white it, glove it, and it, getting it's things It's all done. in and there's obviously a premium on top of it. You're saving, but you're also, there's a, there's a built in cost to that, right? There's a built-in cost, but we we just did actually we just did a cost cost analysis. Um, our last three cases that have been over sixty million dollars of of fraud or whatever you want to call it, whatever the the thing was, we've settled every one of those for under a million dollars. So the Pennies cost the savings dollar, right? is ridiculous. Hey everybody! First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcast, you're using it for B2B, a B2C. It's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. So pause here for a second. Mm -hmm. What is your superpower that enables you to be in this place of managing crisis so well? Like what, what, where, where, where does this come from? What is the superpower that you have? So earlier, like, how's this your calling? Like, we talking, what, like, like not everyone just yeah. falls into the world of, you know, crisis management and there it takes a special person. It takes a, it takes a Ray Donovan, it takes a Winston Wolf. I think that I think that reading people really well, reading all of the things that are not being said, um, asking questions that people are terrified to ask. I mean, the reason why I didn't finish law school, here's the reason why I didn't finish law school. You have to take this, this ethics thing and you're not allowed to ask certain questions. Like attorney will never ask you, are you guilty? Did you do it? They're never going to ask you that. I have no problem saying what, like, just tell me the story. Like, I'm not going to judge you. There's the no more you tell me, here. the better I could help you. That's it. Don't pay me all of this money and then lie to me because I'm going to charge you for the time you lied. And, and, and I'm going to find out because that's what I do. And and I find out in 24 to 48 hours. The forensics hours. Like, and the digital you. forensics, it's all there. It's Forget the digital. We found stuff from like 1967. Yeah. 
Like, just, just tell me what it is because I'm going to find out in 39 cases, it's taken me two days to come back and tell me you're, you're not truthful. And, and then I will, I will 1000% up your retainer. And then I will 1000% make sure that your attorneys are taken mm-hmm. care of. Don't lie. Don't come to me and seek me out and then look at me and lie to me. I'm you're on your side. Polygraph. <laughs> so that's so, so funny. That's what the attorneys so, say. They're like, get Steph. She'll be able to tell so, he's you know, lying. T- t- 25 plus years of experience. What's, what's a big lesson that the average business owner could, could learn from your experience? Like what's a good crisis management kind of, you know, uh, approach mindset. Cause we all go through shit, you know, there, there, there's time. And I mean, I'm a business owner the last four and a half years. And there's times when you're like, uh Oh, this, this isn't good. We, we, we lost a client. We lost a candidate. It's going to come back. Like, I mean, I mean, is there a mindset? Is there an approach? What, what's a good best practice? And no matter how big, because listen, a crisis to me could be the end of the world, but to somebody else on a much bigger scale, it's a spit in the bucket. It's everyday kind of occurrence. I can't believe you asked me for one, Adam. What am I supposed to do with that? It's called the golden nugget, my um, friend. Let's see. I mean, I'm going to give you a soft one and a hard one, okay? I'm going to say maintain empathy and practice it every single day. Like, like when I blow it, I come to you and go, Adam, I blew it. Here's what I was trying to do. And here's what happened. I signal early to let you know we have an issue. It's called accountability and managing expectations rolled into that, right? Like if you fuck up in a business, come, come clean. The sooner, the sooner, same thing in a relationship, right? (laughs) I learned that early on with my wife, just come clean, get out of the way. Don't lie about it. And let's, let's, let's address this quickly and handle it. People mess up. We're human, right? We're fallible. Right. Absolutely. I mean, exactly. And so that's number one. And then I would say number two for crisis management, this is the number one thing that I say about this. People pay a crap ton of money to get out of something and they pay no money to get into something. (laughs) So establish your team, establish your tree. When you, who are going to be your go-to people when, you know, crap hits the fan, who are you going to call? And then, so say, say my tree is Adam's at the top. So I'm calling Adam, Adam, who are you calling? Who are the two or three people? Sorry. Anytime I I, I can't, it's just like, it's like, it's like an impulse thing. I have to say it. It's sorry. Just when everyone says who you're going to call, you had to play this. I'll do it in post-production. It's fine. Okay. Editor note, add in Ghostbusters music, original theme. Thank you. (laughs) Cut, timestamp, click. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that, that I think your tree is so important and what's the message. So I'm going to tell Adam everything. I'm going to give Adam the complete raw data, but what is Adam going to tell the next three people? And then how do we message it? Establish your tree, establish the understanding. If you have, if you have a great parameter set around you and your company and your team, it doesn't become a PR thing. PR, PR is not needed if you have an absolutely amazing team that knows how to process the distress and the stress. And the last thing I'll say is good, bad news does not get better with time. It does not age like a fine wine. No, 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 it does not. That is some great advice there. So let's switch it up a little bit and let's talk about, you know, executive coaching. And I feel like this has just been a natural progression of you working close to so many senior leaders, but executive presence, this this is an interesting one. I mean, I've seen executive presence. I mean, my career, and we'll talk about it when I'm on your show next week. You know, I've had a very interesting Mm. run where I've worked at companies. I've seen, um, you know, the the head of SiriusXM, I'm, I'm literally drawing Mel Karmazin. In, in boardrooms, like huge mega CEOs, the, the head of American Express. And then I sit in a business pitch with Gary Vaynerchuk. Very different yeah. levels of executive presence, but there's a common thread in my opinion. It's confidence and how they kind of present that confidence. So let's talk about your take on executive presence and how how, how could someone build it? I don't wanna use the word create, because, but b- build that executive presence and, and grow into it. 
How about developed? Developed. That's a good word. Thank you. <laughs> Missed the source so, over there. So, yeah, right? <laughs> How about developed? Because that's um, probably the word you're looking for. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So develop, so executive presence is, is really a conf, you nailed it. I mean, it's a confidence issue. It's what are you confident speaking about? What are you confident, um, asking who are you as a person? And so that's, I, I handle things. You know what? Let me take a step back. Sure. I'm not like, I, I don't even like talking about the word coach. Coach is so triggering for me. I feel like I'm going to need therapy about it. Like it's such a ridiculous term. It's so diluted term. and and just, yeah, we could agree agree on it's that one. Ridiculous. Let's agree on that. Right. It's just ridiculous. So, so yes, mm -hmm. do I do coaching? Yes. What I call it is performance consulting. Sure. And it's really your best measurement of success. So people go in and go, hey, I actually have a measurement. We have, we have a methodology. We have a roadmap. We actually have metrics. Right. You have to hit the metrics. Coaching is so like a, a, a more intense version of therapy. That's not who I am. I go, where are you meeting you where you are? Where do you want to be? Is that possible? Let's go. And so every single week it's, you will in within two weeks, people will say, what is different about you? Two weeks, every single client, what is happening? Are you okay? Are you taking meds? Hmm. Are you like, what's, you're what's going focus on? In? You're so calm. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so thinking about that, um, Presence is about you and it's about who you want to be. It's about honing in on your inner chameleon. Mm, I like the chameleon. We'll, we'll put a pin in that one. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? You will act different at a picnic, at a wedding, in a boardroom, with a team, with bosses. Like you have to be very confident in who you are. Now, as you're practicing these things, I have three techniques. Okay. The first thing is you practice with your eyes first. So watch every single person. Are they jokey? Are they serious? Are they stoic? Do they take notes? Do they not take notes? Are they fidgety? Really, really pay attention to that, okay? The second thing is think of two or three provocative questions that you really want to know. So the worst thing is if somebody goes, um, I have to run out the door, but I don't want Adam to think I'm a big fat jerk. So I'm going to look at Adam and I'm going to go, Hey, Adam, really nice haircut. Did you just, did you do something new? Like, do you really care? Like, shut up. Like that's the dumbest Ugh. thing in the entire world. So ask a question that you want to know, because then that person hears that question and then they look at you and then stop. Don't fill the conversation. The don't power fill the of the pause, don't. the power of the pause people. Just take a break. And, and make sure that your body is relaxed and make sure that you're engaged. Look at Adam, look at his eyes. And you know, I, I mean, now I'm, now I don't really care. So now I'm like, Adam, are you like, look at me or I'll like knock the phone out of your hand or, you know, whatever, go pay attention to me. Funny. Um, back then, back then I didn't no. do that. Um, so, so when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're really kind of focusing in on who you are and how you want to be seen, you know, think of this perceived, how are you perceived and how are you received? So how are people hearing you and seeing you? And if you want that to be different, start looking, just like you said earlier in the show, start looking at people that you admire. Start looking at people who are doing it well that you think are doing it well and pay attention to, don't be creepy, and, but pay attention and, to and, who they And are. you're not saying, correct me if I'm wrong, we're not saying fake it till you make it. That's not oh. what this is. I hate that expression more than life itself. It's not fake it till you make it. You you, you make it till you make it, right? Like that's kind of, you, you do it. You don't fake it. You evolve. You, you, you evolve. Yes. Um, yes. How, talk about, let's, I'm curious about, you know, what, what are some of the new crises that have come up during the pandemic in the last couple of years? Some kind of unique situations. I want to shed some light on those. Are you talking about in the news or that, that I've dealt did, with? You have dealt with. We will use uh, fake names to protect the innocent and not so innocent. 
Okay, well, so <laughs> we have. That's what I said. I'm like, I love, I love that you just asked me that question. I'm like, uh. <laughs> so we have a couple. Here's what I'm going to do because I can't talk of course, about them. Obviously. Let's use hypotheticals. I'm going to say we have two. We have two hotels. Right. Just go Google. Um, we have two money laundering, um, and we have a fairly significant insurance kickback. Mm. Um, we also have, and we're not sure that we're actually going to take this one yet. We're actually going to be meeting tomorrow. And would you believe on Thursday, um, Nothing like a with a possible, meeting. I know, right? Words right? Bird. With a possible wrongful death, but we're not a hundred percent sure we're going to actually take that one on, but that did happen with a medical professional. Yeah. But how are you handling things differently during the pandemic? I mean, is there anything different or kind of getting back to, um, so People don't like to talk about crisis on Zoom, which, you know, you don't usually get on Zoom and go, yep, I totally wired fraud all that money stuff. I, there's I a totally filter here. There, there's something There's <laughs> something here. I mean, you and I are used to this where we could be true and authentic, but a lot of people aren't. I mean, it gives right. you almost an excuse to not be truthful. You don't, you don't see what's happening. Right? Well, and I think also too, Adam, in all fairness, we're not hiding anything. True. So if we were hiding something that we didn't want the world to know, we may not be so fluid on these conversations. Correct. What for me in being a professional services person, I'm not a thousand percent sure that what you're telling me is secure. And because I'm most often always on the defense team, I have to make sure that privilege is maintained at all costs. So my business for crisis went significantly in the pooper, if you because will. Because you couldn't be on in face-to-face -face as much. I couldn't be next to them. Right. I couldn't mm -hmm. be talking to their husbands and their With, wives. Without electronic communications, literally having that 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 real conversation. That's exactly right. So what did you do to, to compensate for that? So we pivoted mm -hmm. a bit. Um, we came out with, uh, so so let me finish Sorry. that really quick. Federal court, federal court was mostly Correct. closed. So we didn't, it wasn't like there was a bunch of clients Federal court closed down. So now we're kind of working our way back up. As far as coaching goes or performance consulting or any of those kind of high impact things that I do, I need to be in front. These are people that are getting ready to IPO. Mm -hmm. These are well-funded entrepreneurs. These are, you know, presidents and CEOs of Fortune 100, 500 companies. I need to see how they're interacting with their peers, with their board, with their clients, with their vendors. I need to see what's off in their body language and their tonality. I need to look at those things. So that went completely by the wayside. One of the biggest things that we did during the pandemic is I wanted to give back significantly. And I kept hearing from all of these C-suite, geez, I can't even speak from all of those C-suite people. Um, Hey, Steph, everybody keeps asking for a promotion. These millennials that are asking for a promotion. Everyone's demanding. They want mine. I want mine. I'm overdue. On, I mean, yeah. no, they're underdue. And they were, they're underdue. And, that, and, and it's funny. So I said, okay, great. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask some questions. Say, what about my job is so enticing? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you hear, what about my job do you love and you can't wait to get to? It's title money. and yeah. money. Prestige. Yeah. And so once you back down from that and go, what's the real <clears throat> value of being in this C-suite position or being the next VP, what we found out is these millennials are not ready. They're not ready. Forget about the money and the title. They're not ready for the pressure. They're not ready they for the training, yet. for the development. Right. right. So, hey, Steph, can you create some... Uh, some courses? And I was like, I mean, Adam, you would have died laughing. I was like, yeah, sure. totally. I can absolutely, absolutely. Hey. And then I started to do it. It was 
so hard. Why? <laughs> I was like, well, here, here's why it was hard. Where are you? Am I talking to a 30-year-old from Harvard mm-hmm. or I'm talking to a 27-year-old that never went to college? It's been scrappy since Very they were different. 18. And and so I was like, uh, like I was literally- You're trying to bucket people. Almost, you're trying to bucket into a- You're trying to, you're trying to generalize and, and that's not the way to handle it. It's individualized. Each one of these conversations so and situations is different when people are looking for promotion. Some people deserve it and some people don't and you have to get to the bottom of it. Right. You know, and that's something that we've seen from the talent perspective too, and not to go too off tangent here, where companies are hiring because of the 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 quote unquote labor shortage, which is a whole other story. They're overpay right, they're over they're podcast. overpaying for talent and they're giving somebody yeah. who is technically a manager level, a director level, and they're throwing them in. And when the rubber hits yep. the road, that person is not able to handle a director level job and having director level conversations internally within an organization or yep. externally with clients. You, know, you can't throw a 25-year-old against a, a 33-year-old MBA brand manager over at Unilever. It's not going to work. There's going to be a disconnect. So, some so, can step up into so it and some can't. <laughs> so such an incredible point. So I was 26 years old. I was 26 years old. I was the youngest director in Silicon Valley at a publicly traded company. The next person on my team that I managed, the next person was 11 years my senior and been with the company for <sighs> seven years. I, walk, I, I walked in to a meeting and I said, I wanted to go over my penal with everybody. Not my PL, because I didn't know what it meant. I had zero, I had zero direction. I had zero mentorship. But you know how I got promoted? Attrition. Now, I had no business managing or directing anything at all. But I will tell you, back in the day, I had so many people willing to like show me and I was willing to slow down and listen and take their direction and their mentorship. That's the takeaway here. So Steph, let, let, let's let's bring it home here. I mean, we could spend hours talking and, yeah. and digging into yeah. so many different tangents here. And for me, you know, I say it on every every time I get to this question, this this podcast is my masterclass. I learned through listening. I learned through osmosis. I learned from interviewing great folks like yourself who have the wisdom and experience that I may, I may not have. And I love to ask this question, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day. It could be a mantra, something you wake up and this is like, hello. <laughs> You're going to be so disappointed. Well, let's pause here. Editor, I, feel- I want you to make a note to make sure that we <laughs> remove this because she's about to say something terrible. <laughs> I am. I'm like, can we start playing Ghostbuster yeah. again? Let's just start playing Ghostbuster. <laughs> I, protect your time. Protect your time is I'm going to say it until I am blue in the face. Protect your time. Be very careful who you associate with. Um, You truly are the sum of those five people. I don't care what anybody says. I will fight, argue. I will come to blows with anybody. You are the sum of those five people. Make sure you're the dumbest one in the room. Grow, learn, be a sponge protect your time. Do not continue to scroll. You are scrolling aimlessly, comparing yourself against people that you don't even know if they're full of crap or not. Welcome Stop to social it. media. That's powerful advice. And I, and I preach this as well there too. It, we all, and you've seen the cliches and the quotes out there. We all have the same amount of time during the day, right? You cannot manufacture time. You cannot create more of it. Nope. So how do you manage the time that you have and use it best? Cause it's, it's, it's valuable. That's tremendous advice. So last but not least, Stephanie, you know, you, 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 you look back on your life and you think about the shit pit. You think about your your childhood and the trauma and 
those those low points when you didn't really know how you where you're going to sleep or how you're going to live or how you're going to make it to the next day. Those really tough times, and you had to pull yourself up, and you had to harness that inner tenacity, that fire that I see every single day that comes clear to everybody who meets you and works with you. And on the flip side, now success, happiness, children. How do you show gratitude? What keeps you in focus? Stephanie Malik, what is your North Star? Impacting and inspiring. And, and people say, so I'm, I'm sensitive to this as well, okay? People say I want to impact and inspire. How? Mine is not a why. Mine is a how. And the reason why mine is not a why is because why is easy once you start doing the homework. Why is easy. How will you do it? When I inspire and I impact people as a leader, I want to give them direct belief in themselves. I want them to understand that they have what it takes to get to their best measurement of success. Their, not mine. And that is, that is for me, when you, when I'm working with an executive or when I'm doing, like when I'm doing a speaking engagement and you connect with that one person in the room when you're speaking, okay, you see that light go off. You see that spark you see where they're like, it just mm -hmm. all came together. It's like this giant puzzle that came together and like, they almost, you can't, you can't, I get, yeah. every time I talk about it, I get chills. The how is so important because people talk about inspire, impact, da, da, da. but how are you going to do it? And I'm going to do it based on other people's, other leaders, other high achievers, how they need to receive it to believe in themselves. Powerful. And it's so interesting that you mentioned the how, because I talk about the how all the time. The why most of us could define. The why for me is this, my kids, why I do everything. But the how is how you show up yeah. every day, how you present yourself, yeah. how you go about your day-to-day -day actions and your life. I love it. Stephanie, this has been incredible. We could talk for hours, but we got to bring this home here because guess what? The average listener, 43 minutes in, they're, they're done with the podcast, but they can listen forever. But let's, let's bring it home here. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This has been fantastic. I'm excited to continue to build our relationship, excited to come on your show next week and, and introduce our audiences to each other and just expand. I'm a true believer. You know, our, our dear friend Hala, her and I deeply believe in collaboration over competition. There's so many ears, eyeballs out there, and we have so much wisdom to learn from. Stephanie, where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more? Absolutely. So Stephanie with a Y. So S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E, Malik, on everything. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. And Adam, I don't know if you know this or not, but I believe Britta created a special offer for everybody who is listening at 30% off um, for the course for the EPE. So executive presence, business acumen. If anybody wants to take a look at the class, we have uh, group coaching and we have just the actual kind of go go on your own. Um, your listeners will get 30% off. Just use the word podcast. The Z, podcast. And I will link that up in the show notes. That'll be linked up everywhere. It's a very generous offer. Thank you so much. Stephanie, hang, me, uh, hang with me for a moment here as I sign off. I want to thank everybody for hanging with Stephanie and I for the last 48 minutes and 19 seconds. I appreciate your time. We really do. We're talking about time before, and I really hope that you have learned something from this conversation. Definitely connect with Stephanie. She is a wealth of wisdom. Listen, sharing means caring. So if you like this episode, please share it with a friend that goes a long way. And if you like it, leave a review, a rating. That helps me, and I appreciate it. Remember, find everything at thepodcast.com, all of our social media channels. Take care of each other, look out for one another, and catch us next week for another good episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. 
Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.